surfs up at Gotham Point. That's right, Joker. I've been challenging you to the surfing title. Through my latest invention, the surfing experience and ability transferometer, all your surfing know-how will be drained out of you and transferred to me. Some joker drained everything I know about surfing and all my ability with a gizmo called a surfing experience and ability transferometer. Watch here suppose this up, Buzzy. The surf, Duke. Welcome to Surf Kings of Gotham, the only podcast which we're aware of that bask in the technicolor glow of sitcom vigilantism. That is Batman 66. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm your other host, Brady. And today we're watching season one, episode 33, Fine Finny Fiends, directed by Tom Grease. I assume it's Grease, maybe it's Grice. And written by Sheldon Stark. This episode originally aired May 4th, 1966. And our guest villain ending the season is none other than the Penguin, played by Burgess Meredith. The one-sentence Wikipedia summary says, The Penguin has returned and has a dastardly plan involving Alfred, whom the Penguin captures and brainwashes to be his unwitting pawn. For his scheme against a wealthy social event. Whew. Yeah, strap in, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be that kind of episode. It's going to be the kind of episode where when Batman and Robin get to the car, Robin goes through how the car works. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. It's gotten to the what point now where I'm like, every time Robin's like, atomic batteries to power, I'm like, oh, they got nothing. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It's fun to pick out the filler, but I remember as a kid being excited when they would say that. I don't know, like it just added to the to the episode in my yeah. foolish well, it's, mind. It's details, it's specific. Like it's like how things are funnier if they're specific. If it's like some guy said something, it's not very, you know, it doesn't do much for you. But if it's very specific about who the guy was and exactly what he said, then you have room to, you know, the details matter. That's true. For example, uh, we open here with another fine day in Gotham City. Okay, that's okay. But on a side street, things are not so fine. And then we see a fish store with a special on caviar. So you know something's about to go down. Yeah, I had based it off of uh, somebody put together a fan video in one of the Batman groups. Maybe it was you, listener, um, that was like highlights from the show, whatever. And I really thought I misread this as Penguin's going to start a seafood restaurant. And I was really excited. You, Apparently, instead, you, he's starting some sort of caviar store. And that's less exciting. It's, I like it and I don't. So you did have me excited uh, for a bit there, thinking he was going to open a seafood restaurant. Which then just I sounds had, great, right? Yeah, yeah. I pictured him walking out with like a basket of fries on his head and being like, wah. Take it off. The oil is very hot. You know, I like, was I was hoping like it would be basically exactly that. Like we'd watch it and be like, man, they just rewrote this episode of Batman for Moe's restaurant. Yeah, I was hoping for that. 
when it wasn't that, then I was worried that it was going to be something dumb. But in this case, he doesn't seem to overdo it, at least not in the first episode. He just uses this as a front, uh, as we're about to find out, to kidnap Alfred and brainwash him. So he doesn't overuse it. His He doesn't have fish store related schemes all over the place. I said one thing with this episode that kind of bothered me was usually one of the stylistic things they do is they tilt the camera for the part with the villain. They tilted the camera so much in this. I was like, okay, getting queasy. Yeah, it was different though. I, I liked the visual change up. I even noticed that, like, hey, different camera angles. That's fun. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely overdid it. And they kept doing it, like from shot to shot. They'd have things turned at like a 45-degree angle. And then for the very next shot, now it's at 75. Good luck not hurling. Here's some caviar to look at. <laughs> uh, yeah. Something smells, and it's not last week's mackerel. <laughs> so they're creeping around in the store watching, waiting for Alfred to come in. So this fish market with the caviar sale is set up specifically to attract Alfred. Yeah, which is weird because, I mean, how would they know that he needed to buy caviar? I don't know how they know, but they do know an awful lot about this multi-millionaire's dinner that, that they're planning that Alfred's involved with. So this fish store, not, not fully stocked. Uh, there's just a barrel of caviar in the middle of the floor <laughs> uh, with a sign that says cut-rate caviar. Because, so you know, millionaires like to have that cut rate stuff. <laughs> yeah. So Alfred tastes the caviar out of the barrel and figures it'll do. He's a good butler. It's I one of those man. It's one of those high priced fish restaurants where people can just go in and like paw over all, all the stock and, you know, try it and have some. It's like old people at yeah. the grocery store testing out grapes. That's right. And that's what he's doing here. He brought his own spoon, I think. He's tasting the caviar, says it will do. The fish market gentleman says, okay, great. Uh, how much do you want? A few ounces, uh, half a pound? And he says, oh, uh, about 20 pounds, one for each of the guests. Who's going to eat a pound of caviar? That's a yeah. lot. 16 ounces of caviar is too much caviar. <laughs> I thought that too, like... What what sort of party is this? Are they all going to eat all this and then like sit there and struggle to breathe for the rest of the party? Like, <laughs> oh God, it'll go down eventually. Uh, this is a brilliant well, party, is, Bruce. Thanks for inviting yeah, us. This is just the appetizer. Wait until you get wait until you get farther down here. We've got <laughs> seventy seven pounds of beef tenderloin each to eat next. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Uh, the bad guy behind the counter throws a, a lever, if you will, closing an umbrella over top of the caviar barrel and trapping Alfred. And I said, oh, Alfred. I was going to say, I attribute the thing with the, each everyone's eating a pound of caviar. He has no idea what a fish store looks like. And Alfred carries his own spoon. Perhaps Sheldon Stark wasn't doing well. <laughs> these, these are like, <laughs> he's just like, well, in the hobo jungles, this is how it works. So I'll just change this from some meat to caviar. <laughs> uh, I and it's, I mean, at least it kind of looks like caviar. It wasn't like when Penguin in the last episode we saw him and was eating very fine herring or something, and it was just like oatmeal. 
it was basically paste yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great though yeah. if like batman like goes from scene to scene like along the way in the action riding the rails and you're like this is all really <laughs> coded hoboism isn't it <laughs> oh hobo batman i would watch that spinoff <laughs> Batman invested in some bad stocks and now he really has to make do using public transport. <laughs> it would it would be so much better. I keep thinking like it'd be cool if he was renegade, you know, traveling from place to place solving mysteries or whatever, but it'd be cooler if he was a hobo doing it like riding the rails instead of a motorcycle. And with a name he made up for himself, like the guy from Renegade, where it's like he's Bruce Wayne and he's Batman, but he's also, and then like some ridiculous name that he got, gave himself because he thought it sounded cool. Like yeah. in Renegade, it's Reno Reigns, but like in Batman. No, that's his real name. Like, that was his real name. What was his fake yeah, name? He, I, I don't remember. It was like Jacob Black or something. It wasn't Jacob, but it was like. Okay, I thought the something. dumber of the two names was the one he made up because that's not, it's very Max Power. Like, I'm <laughs> undercover as Max Power, my alias. <laughs> No, it's more like my real name is Max Power, but I'll go by Mike. Yeah. Mike Smith. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time I remember, I never actually read them, but I've read about it. Like there was a time in the 60s in Daredevil when Stan Lee had lost all interest. And so to like maintain writing a thousand books a month, he added this character into the book that was Matt Murdock's twin brother, Mike, who also <laughs> happens to be blind, but he's cool and with it. Like, that sounds great. <laughs> I, I want that to be on the new season of the show when it comes back. You you uh, you begged for it, and now Daredevil has returned with his idiot brother Mike. I like it. So here, Alfred is trying to fight his way out of the umbrella trap saying, oh my, call the police, or something. The guy comes around the corner with a, an umbrella. First, he, like, tests the gas on himself to make sure it's working, I think. Yeah. Like, he shoots it and, like, sniffs the gas, uh, which I thought was a weird choice. And then, under the umbrella to gas Alfred. Penguin's got a, got a, got a cut-rate gang in this episode, too. Like, the one guy apparently has some sort of impediment. Like, yeah, I couldn't uh, understand anything he said. I didn't notice it here, but later on, I made a note that it's Adam Sandler and Jimmy Fallon are his goons. <laughs> the one, it was true because the one guy sings and he did it in a weird halting, like like Adam Sandler kind of way. And then the other guy, he didn't break on camera, so he wasn't totally Jimmy Fallon, but he annoyed his face annoyed me so much that I called him Jimmy Fallon. He annoys me like Jimmy Fallon. And this guy over here, why, that's my neighbor, Steve, who also annoys me. Yeah, Daredevil's <laughs> twin brother, gone. Mike. <laughs> yeah, that was what was happening there. There was something with this. They show Alfred's hand here. I hope it's caviar. It looks kind of like blood or something on his hand. There's some, like, drippings on his hand. And I was worried about Alfred there for a minute. Yeah, I assumed he was, like, struggling in the caviar trying to get free. And it was actually what knocked him out was drowning in caviar. But I was like, oh, no, not Alfred. Anyone but Alfred. Why couldn't it be exactly. Dick Grayson? Exactly. No use. So then we get to Commissioner Gordon's office. 
Alfred has been captured. O'Hara has a hot tip. He says that. Yes. I've got a hot tip. Uh, something smells like caviar. That was the that was the whole tip. So because it smells like caviar, it can only be the penguin, that waddling pirate of plunder. Yeah, could only be it could only be the penguin. That's some fine detective work there. Commissioner Gordon looks at him like he's a fool the entire time. <laughs> I smelled caviar in a fish store, so that means it can only be the work of the penguin. <laughs> Cats like fish, too. It could be Catwoman, but they don't go there. They've read the script. They know it is. It could be Catwoman, but that's probably too classy for her. Let's face facts. That's true. It's a waddling pirate of plunder. Instead, it's the penguin himself. Any normal criminal, there's a line here, I love it. Any normal criminal, the department can handle, but not a super criminal like the penguin. We need a Batman. Yeah. They don't even know what he's up to or doing. It's just based on O'Hara smelled something and they're already calling Batman. <laughs> sure, and I can't afford no caviar. Better call Batman. There's a line, too, where Chief O'Hara's like, sure, and as my name is... And then he stops and looks at Gordon. And Gordon's like, O'Hara. And he says, Chief O'Hara. It was weird. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> uh, that was good. So the joke is that Chief O'Hara is mentally incompetent. Well, okay. But he remembers he's a chief. that out. I mean. <laughs> any normal criminal the department can handle. I was like, well, settle down. You've never handled anything ever. <laughs> Jaywalkers, Commissioner, to the bat phone. <laughs> exactly. Well, this person needs a parking ticket. Uh, anything else the department could handle, but... We better call Batman. Hopefully Batman can read and write. <laughs> so they do pick up the bat phone, of course, because Alfred's not around. Bruce answered, answers it himself. He finds out that Alfred has been kidnapped. And he's like, oh, holy shit. What are we going to do here? That's not good. Dick is like, you didn't recognize that he was gone? And Bruce is like, I did think it was strange. I hadn't had a drink in a few minutes. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was out doing the shopping, so yeah, that's why they he just puts them in this room. Just stand here and hold some books. I'm He's gonna been be stepping gone for out. hours, and Bruce yeah. is like, I don't know how shopping works. He just puts them in a playpen <laughs> before he leaves <laughs> to make sure that they don't hurt themselves. But in this they case, to Bruce and Dick like smiling at each other, and then yeah. whenever they enter the phone and find out Alfred's been captured, Bruce is like. We'll have to put a hold on, on conjugating those Latin verbs. You were just like staring at each other and smiling. You weren't conjugating Latin verbs. You were conjugating something, but not Latin verbs. Put your Latin verbs aside to the bat poles. Yeah. yeah. It was weird. They were just like looking at each other. Yeah, just hanging out. Yeah. This is why Ed Harriet has to be here is because when you <laughs> and I are alone in a room together, I start doing this and I'm like 40. Yeah. <sighs> Thankfully, there's no time for such tomfoolery. Uh, they need to get the atomic batteries to power and the turbines to speed. I wrote, we don't have time for this, guys. Alfred's in danger, but they do. Yeah. There's plenty of time. Alfred will be fine. He's more competent than we are. There is a cool shot, but though, when they pull out of the Batcave that they shot it from Batman's perspective. 
Yeah, it was different. I like when they show different angles sometimes. It's it's interesting. I also learned from YouTube recently that um, the hole that the car came out of was too fast or, or too small or something for them to actually drive the car at a breakneck speed. So they drove it like really slow and then, then cranked the camera back, which now that you now that I know that when I see it, it's very obviously a Keystone Cops effect. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was anyway, but now I know that it's actually being done because the car is moving super slow. For more information on this special effect, listen to like our first episode where we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've long forgotten it, but that doesn't mean you have to. That's right. So they go to the commissioner's office and O'Hara is like walking around while they're talking about the, about the umbrella and then he seems startled by their being there. O'Hara's <laughs> not well in this episode. <laughs> No, but he's got keen deduction. He gets yeah. congratulated for it. I congratulate you, Chief O'Hara, on your keen deduction. This does smell like something. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no ransom, though, so it has to be the millionaire's dinner, the multi-millionaire's dinner, where a whole bunch of multi-millionaires get together and have dinner, and they all put a million dollars into something. <laughs> they pick a charity or something. Commissioner Gordon's like, what do you think happens at the millionaire's dinner, Batman? I've only ever rooted through the trash afterwards. So I don't really know. <laughs> well, we bring this boy here and pass him around. <laughs> so it's a false fish store. We have to get there. And O'Hare's like, ah, we already checked it over, Batman. And he's like, he, you already checked it over? No offense. But, oh, no, he says, your, your department is the finest in the land. But we're smart and you are stupid. So <laughs> we better go check it out. I'm sure you did your best, dummy. <laughs> Which is funny when they get there because the only thing in the entire store is a crumpled up flyer or something on the ground, a crumpled up piece of paper on the floor in the middle of the store, plain as day, and they missed it. Yeah. Penguin moved out of that business quickly. <laughs> <laughs> They were open for one day as yeah. opposed to when he got stuck in the umbrella factory he was like oh i have <laughs> orders now wah, wah, wah. <laughs> i wonder if he still has that uh, that umbrella store operating <laughs> he's he had to go out because he got a lot of bad reviews for not fulfilling orders because he was in prison <laughs> he was like ah oh, i have to live that down <laughs> He got convicted of mail fraud. That's why he went to jail. <laughs> it can happen to anyone that doesn't fulfill their orders. Yes. Meanwhile, on Gotham City's waterfront, a low-budget junior high school is putting on a play. That's what I wrote down, because it's not much of a waterfront here. No, it's it looks, not. Uh, but this is where we get to see his goons, his one goon, Octopus, is using the ink maker. So he's making ink. Yeah. A thing that he totally doesn't have to do because you can just get ink in 1966. Yeah, but he's making it. So he's got octopus and he's got shark. Those are his goons. So he's given up his bird goons. So that's what makes me think they might still be working at the Umbrella Factory. Yeah, it's entirely possible. They had to get out on work release. The 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 lady here, the fancy lady, doesn't like the eel. She's grossed out by by the eel in the tank. Yeah, they shot some nice stock footage of, of, an, of an octopus and an eel. I like that Penguin's like, 
riding something with his umbrella, which has to be awkward as hell. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's such thing as taking your, your gimmick too far. And it's, uh, I'm sure that's it's completely illegible script scratch when you actually <laughs> get that from the penguin. You're like, what the hell does this say? <laughs> Did, Some kind of weird squidding written by an umbrella. Were you holding the pen with your toes? <laughs> we need to cut contact with this man. Uh, the goon shark is poking Alfred here. Uh, that's a bad idea. He's gonna get popped later. That's not you don't you don't mess around. Yeah, Alfred's like Alfred, you're gonna find out when I get out of this cage because eventually this is gonna fail. Look at that idiot. He's riding with an umbrella, and he does. He says, "Stop it, you ruffian!" And then tell me where the millionaire's dinner is. He's like, "I wouldn't tell you if I I don't know, and I wouldn't tell you if I did." Because Alfred's a stand-up dude. I'm the only person in this town who's actually actually able to make a decision and stick by it. So, no, you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. I, they're going to put him in the penguin box. That's the the next step here. And it's what the like penguin a box weird, is. like, arch covered in Christmas lights attached to a box. It's the weirdest, most Ed Wood-looking thing I've seen on the show so far. It is. That's the controls for the penguin box. The penguin box itself is like a weird do-it-yourself sauna thing, like built for one person that like zips up around him so his head's sticking out. It like goes around his neck and is rubber. I feel like it's like a like a home spa you might have bought in the 60s or something. Yeah. And his hands are free. Like there's really no reason why Opera couldn't just get himself out of that. Yeah, I wrote here, I can't wait for Alfred to kick your ass. That's what I wrote down. Because I'm an, just, I don't like the penguin here. He's making me angry. You don't mess but with the respectable character. It it makes me wonder, do you think Penguin recognizes him from Floyd's of Dublin when he knocked him on his ass in the, in the other episode? <laughs> That's what it is. It's all vengeance motivated by the fact that Alfred made him look stupid in front of a lady. <laughs> Who he promptly dumped, even though she was still into him, in spite of the fact that he was more interested in the gold-encrusted can opener. That's true. He was probably yeah. in prison and realized how good he had it. He was like, oh, wow. Have... She had low standards. Good luck finding anything like that again. Yeah, with the amount of Alfred in this episode, I feel like this would be... like, Were they shopping a potential undercover butler spinoff here? And that's why there was a whole episode of of Alfred being the focus. In that's my mind, they were, yeah. I hope so. I was going to say at the beginning of this, noticing it was focused on Alfred, we could just have the undercover butler theme song playing under this entire episode of Sarah The King's entire Dog. time. But we won't, because that will be waiting. Yeah, but, that won't get annoying or anything. No. Uh, but the Penguin Box will make me your master. So it's brainwashing is his game. Uh, I do like Penguin's delivery here. He's very, like the exact same delivery as when he was globulous on the G.I. Joe cartoon. <laughs> G.I. Joe the movie, explaining his plan to bring back the glory of Cobra Law. Well, that's what he's doing here. But you will remember none of this. Listeners will recall the G.I. Joe movie as that movie where Don, Don Johnson plays the main G.I. Joe character and it completely goes off the rails into full-blown insanity after several seasons of just fighting some terrorists. 
Yeah, it was a great movie. It really Maybe was. We'll cover that sometime. Yeah. So now we get to Batman and Robin in the abandoned front that was the fish store at the beginning. Again, the police have already checked it over pretty thoroughly. So there's probably not very many clues to find here. Uh, but then Robin just eats some shit right off the wall in the fish store. Like there was a glob of something black on the wall of an abandoned fish store. And Robin just picks that shit off the wall and puts it in his mouth. I was, uh, that was gross. That was as gross as when he coughed on the, on the towel and then wiped his face with it in the bookworm episode. This is just, yeah. He's a horrid little animal. He is awful. <laughs> Batman should have been like, God, and just turned around and left and drove away. <laughs> so there's not a clue in sight, but the obvious crumpled piece of paper that we mentioned before, just sitting basically with a spotlight on it for them to find in the middle of the floor. Uh, the police obviously missed it. I wonder if they tasted the wall caviar. I'm not sure. <laughs> We'll call like, Commissioner Gordon and see if anyone licked the wall while they were here. Any food-related substance he probably did eat, just because, as we've established, O'Hare is hungry. Yes. <laughs> Things aren't going well for Chief O'Hare and Commissioner Gordon. No, they, they live in the office. They share a hot plate. Which is why when they cut back to the office and Chief O'Hara is like excitedly congratulating all the cops on figuring out what Batman and Robin confirmed is, is not is not like a, yeah, they did it. It's more like a, aw, that's sad. <laughs> They've been waiting for this. <laughs> Surely it has to turn our way at some point just from a sheer numbers perspective. So this clue that they found, this crumpled up piece of paper, is the flyer that brought Alfred to this store in the first place advertising the caviar uh, but they noticed that it's the proprietor of this fish store is not a fish k-n-o-t-t -T, a fish that's his name well that can only be the penguin only the penguin would be stupid enough for that yeah not a fish uh, so they go back to the Batmobile. We get a lesson on traffic safety here where Batman reminds Robin to look both ways before crossing the street. And Make sure you look both hatch. ways before you fire off as fast as you can possibly go, chum. <laughs> or make a 360 turn. Uh, so back in the... Well, this is... They get a phone call on the, on the Bat phone that says Alfred has been returned home. So he wasn't kidnapped after all, which is weird. But okay. Batman's like, so, case closed. I'm hungry and I need a drink. Well, let's to go the home. home and have our manservant give us things. Yeah. He's fine. He'll appreciate it. It gives his life meaning. That's right. So they get home. I don't and I don't understand now. So they there must be some time has passed here because Alfred is now polishing the Batmobile. And they didn't just drive in with it, or they would have seen him. So there must have been a like he was coming down the elevator as they were going up the poles and they missed each other. Now Alfred is polishing the Batmobile. It was like a whole Scooby-Doo thing where they keep they kept going in and out of doors. Yeah, I'd like to see that. They should have cut the atomic batteries to power turbines to speed and shown us a little more of that. 
just five solid minutes of Batman and Robin and Alfred missing each other, going in different doors in Wayne Manor. I'm sold. Now there's your spinoff. So they question Alfred about where he was. He doesn't really give them a lot of information, but he's twitchy. He's He's got a twitch now that he didn't have before. He's playing it very well. I like his twitch. Yeah, he doesn't make a big deal of it. Like it's very, it's handled very deftly. He just kind of does it as he's as he's speaking. It's not like a he has to stop and do it towards Batman. Yes, he plays it very well. So let's take Alfred. He doesn't remember anything. Let's take him to the memory bat bank and go through some mug shots. My favorite part of the mug shots thing was that for some reason they let they let several random criminals. Because that's what they would be in the eyes of the like the criminal justice system taking the mugshots. They're just some random criminals, but they let them decide their own names. And like so it comes up to shark and octopus, and they have little nameplates that say shark and octopus. <laughs> yeah. Those are their like names. Joe Stevens, which is what it would totally be. No, no. Yeah. We'll let you call yourself octopus. <laughs> Defeating the yeah. entire purpose of this. So Alfred doesn't recognize any of these people, but he does twitch occasionally when he recognizes someone, but he doesn't recognize uh, penguin or octopus or shark. Then he says, excuse me, uh, the guests are going to be arriving for the rehearsal dinner. Yeah, so penguin's plan was to brainwash him into not remembering the penguin. That's weird. It is a little weird. I'm sure we'll get I'm sure something good will come of it soon. But a good undercover butler never forgets. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, I'm sure he has notes like that movie where the guy like wrote down his notebook or something and that cured his Alzheimer's. I think it was called The Notebook. <laughs> I was going to say, and it was called The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking, of course, of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now there's like a rehearsal dinner party thing going on upstairs and Harriet's talking to some old man about how Bruce Wayne's grandpa founded uh, the Skull and Bones Society. Yeah, it's like a Yale secret society. It's been around forever. Um, George Bush was actually a member of the Skull and Bones Society, um, which kind of tells you the overall in the, the Skull and Bones Society. In the remedial class, maybe? Yeah. They might have had a remedial class. Yeah, so basically, if you have money on hand, you can join the Skull and Bone Society and then go be drunk and disorderly. It's kind of like Animal House, but with more with more <laughs> stupidity and criminal activities. And, and more freedom to get away from your crimes if you commit any. Yeah, you, you can go on from this to be president, unlike John Belushi, who just became a senator. <laughs> uh so Alfred offers Miss Civil Rights some canapes. Uh, yeah, Miss Civil Rights is like, no, no, I don't want any. Because she has a sash. She's wearing a bikini and a sash that says Miss Civil Rights. And she's like, I have to maintain my figure. I'm pretty sure no civil rights people would give a damn about your figure or your <laughs> bikini. This is all weird. It was a little strange. Uh, there's a fish hook. That was that's even worse than finding a hair, finding a fish hook in one of your hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Um, so Bruce is talking to some skeevy son of a bitch 
who looks kind of like it, the skipper from Gilligan's That's Island. what I wrote down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The skinny skipper. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought too. For and, sure, I thought it was Alan Hale. Like, you can tell that guy inherited his money because, like, this man should not be consorting with Bruce Wayne. And then <laughs> offers, like, may I offer you a canap, sir? And then he, like, shoves one in his, in his freaking mouth hole and he's like, what's in this? It's a fish hook. And then he's totally cool with it because you can tell he's had weirder things in his mouth. He's like, oh, I'll just have another one then. Yeah. It's free. So they determined the fish hook must have fallen from Alfred's morning coat when he was uh, done his shopping and preparing the appetizers. So they need to get to the bat cave. This is a clue. Yeah, a clue to nothing because why would he wear a morning? Why would he go fishing? Why would he wear a morning coat to go fishing? He didn't go out and catch the caviar. No, but he was at the waterfront after he got kidnapped. Yeah, but he wasn't like he wasn't like just running some griffs while he was down there and happened to get into some fish hooks or running away from Chief O'Hara. Like that's it's so weird. They're like, it's a fish hook from his morning coat. Well, that's why it's a clue, Kyle, because it's not supposed to be there. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm dumb. <laughs> well, not as dumb as these guys are about to be. <laughs> that would take this some is, doing. Yeah. So they announce here there's 146 miles of Gotham City waterfront. Yeah. That seems like a lot. 146 miles. Gotham City is New York. There's not 146 miles of waterfront. That would be like, I don't know how far that would be, but it would be well into another state. Like, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. That's a huge that's a, that's amount much. of space. Especially because the waterfront we do get to see again looks like a bad junior high school play. Yeah. So they don't have they don't have the capacity for 146 miles of that shit. It's 146 miles of basically this, some nets, maybe a pole. So they're searching the computer, looking at the plans and views, I guess, of the waterfront. Uh they get to the south pier and find a spot owned by not a fish. Hey, I remember that name. Yeah. Weird that that guy has bought that pier since the time that Batman drew those drew those maps. What if he's ready for them? Well, I don't know. It's a risk we're going to have to take. It could be a trap. So we get the penguin here and his goons getting ready for Batman to show up because they know. I guess they know that the fish hook's been found. I'm. I guess it's always good to be ready. Yeah, uh, this is where his goons are weird. I wrote, what's with his goons? And then I was like, definitely Jimmy Fallon and Adam Sandler. <laughs> the octopus dude is like wiggling around all weird. He's a strange guy. Like, I'm like, did you find a lot of work as a character actor? Because you have a very unique thing and it's not what I well, call good. Well, he's being an octopus. He's really channeling his name. That's all he oh. knew about his character was name. It's like that Saturday Night Live sketch where... Uh, Emma Stone is an actress and she ends up being like the wife in a gay porn and she's really trying to get into character and find who she is and like it's not a developed character in any way shape or form but she's trying to be a serious actress and really make it into something and find her motivation uh, it's a pretty funny sketch actually that's what this could be here is okay so I'm playing the part of octopus and that's all I know about him is his name is octopus so he like studied octopus octopi and really 
one yeah. better degree in marine biology to really know how they move and study them and that was his uh, and then Bill Dozier was like, look, we're paying you a sandwich for this. <laughs> <laughs> Just put on the shirt that says octopus. Hey, you're in character. Can you manage to wear a hat? Good job. <laughs> the other little guy looks like looks like one of the one of the puppets from the Dark Crystal, though. Like his, his face <laughs> doesn't look human. Yeah, they're not the best goons we've seen so far. No, it's a crappy little gang and Penguin stuck with this time. Because he left the A team to run the run the business. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, he and did so get a bring up bring along with him a little a little uh, penguin, some penguin decor that like runs out on a table and does nothing. Yeah, that was weird too. Batman and Robin pull up here, and again, the the villain's lady is always horny for Batman. Yes, that's a thing. Uh, Batman and Robin break in and all of a sudden just they're trapped by umbrellas again. All these umbrellas open up and like it's hard to get through them because yeah, you gotta squeeze a, past umbrellas. It's a weird trap and I don't it's like a it. mild impediment. But at least we get a fight, which means it's time for the Surf Kings of Gotham. Fight words recap. Them's fighting words. During this fight, we get clank. Another clank. Crash. Our old friend Eow with the uh, tongue and the O. Pow. Whap. Swish. This has been your Surf Kings of Gotham. Fight words recap. When you said two clinks, I was going to be like, it'll be amazing if it's clink. Clink. And Clink, this has been your Surf Kings of Cosmos. <laughs> I always like when they throw a yow with the tongue in the O, because they animate the tongue too, so it's like yeah, extra fancy. Yeah, the tongue actually moves around. You can tell they had a little leftover in the budget this week to uh, do the yow. We can afford one word that's a lie. Pick, make a wise choice. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of umbrella sword fighting in this fight. Um, yeah, they're Robin very big crazy. on the umbrella sword fighting thing. Robin goes insane, like ducking an umbrella and just like savagely like spider monkey punching some dude. Batman goes fishing. He grabs a fishing rod and like hooks a guy and pulls him away from Robin. Well, Robin's pulled up on on wall food, so God knows <laughs> what's in his system right now. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they get hooked to the wall. A big like gaff hook comes out and grabs them around the belly and pulls them against the wall and they get gassed yeah which is more the gas than the hook because the hook was like barely covering their arms they could have gotten out of the hook yeah they should have been able to i like though that uh shark immediately picks up an umbrella and like raises it over his head because he's gonna like crack their skulls and penguin's like no no we're gonna do something far stupider than that and stupider they do. They put them in the vacuum tank. Not the vacuum tank. Yes. The vacuum tank. Why is there a vacuum tank at the waterfront? Well, there's 146 miles of it, so they got room for, for yeah. extra stuff, I guess. There's all kinds of things there. It's a wonderland. Yeah. Uh, how is the vacuum tank operated? Why 
they've got gigantic reversing bellows, of course. Yeah. Like the old timey fireplace puffer deal. That's what they use to, uh, but this is reversing. So it sucks the air out. It sucks the air out. And there's a scale on the wall. That's one of my favorite things in the entire run of the show because it's absolutely insane. It is. But right now there's enough air for all in the vacuum tank. You can tell uh, because the, the thing on the wall that we were just talking about says there's enough for all. That's where the little arrow is pointing. Yeah, so the air indicator, I, I actually wrote these down. The air indicator, based on what's in the room with Batman and Robin currently, it's a thermometer and it goes down as there's less air. So the way that it goes is a full thermometer is full of. The next step down is enough for all. Then you have elephant, then enough air for a gorilla, then enough air for a football player, then enough room for a dog, and then finally enough room for enough air for a cat. It is bizarre <laughs> and I love it. Uh, that's fantastic. There's also balloons in there. Yeah, so as there's Which I less was... air, like a, a cat would have no balloons because all the balloons <laughs> would have popped because that's, yeah, that's how right. air works. Uh, well, in the vacuum, I suppose, yeah, the the pressure, the balloon would expand and explode. I guess that I makes guess, sense. But, but not when it gets is... to enough air for a cat. I don't know. Does that mean cats can live in vacuums? But elephant, Yeah, how I would don't... you measure that? Like, Oh, that's about enough air for a gorilla. I wonder if they actually tested it on those animals. Like, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, a gorilla? Okay, throw it in after the elephant. Line them up. Let's see. And they're just killing these animals one at a time, determining. There's there's right, a lot put... of animals on hand at the water at the waterfront. They can just go pick some up. We need 16 <laughs> gorillas to see how much air they need to live. 146 miles of fun at the Gotham City waterfront. <laughs> An old Gotham town. <laughs> so that leads uh, us to uh, our cliffhanger of how will Batman and Robin survive this? Or as the show says, can this be happening to the dynamic duo? Then it shows it going down to elephant and gorilla levels of air. How can they live? Will they be vanquished by a vacuum? Then it shows it going to football player. And it's going to dog, so they better get out of this. Revive, Robin. Breathe, Batman. We'll hold our breath for you both. And then a balloon pops, and Batman's like, the hell? <laughs> this wasn't in my contract. Then it goes down to cat, and you see the next one is mouse. And it says, until tomorrow night, same time, same channel. So they're really phoning it in with a death trap for this season ender. Yeah, it's still better than the cat-feeding, teeter-totter <laughs> horseshit that Catwoman did. I do love the scale. <laughs> Gorilla, <laughs> football player. <laughs> the Dog. giant bellows, the giant bellows for me did it. That was a, that's how they get the air out, was a giant, like, prices Right wheel-sized bellows, huge. you know, and they have to like reach up above their heads and pull down the handle to suck the air out. So it's, they made it as difficult as possible. Yeah, like why was why does that exist in the universe that this show takes place in? Like, 
they clearly filmed that somewhere on the waterfront and penguin was like well we have a giant bellows what do we do with it let's <laughs> asphyxiate a gorilla well kyle it's obviously left over from the fireplace exhibit at the gotham city world's fair uh, they had a the fireplace of the future was giant yes they just they left it abandoned be 60 feet high and need giant bellows <laughs> and then they were like um excuse me mr wayne what is that research based on? And Bruce just kind of laughed and smiled and said, right this way, you'll see the car of the future. It's made of bananas. <laughs> the gorilla ate him. Better put him in the vacuum tank and see how much air he can have. Oh, so, the gorilla ate the car. What if the giant bellows were part of a plan to save the world? Like scientists discovered there was a giant asteroid hurtling towards Earth so in an Armageddon-style plot, instead of blowing it up, they created a giant bellows to try to blow it away. Like just Armageddon push it, would have been so much better if that was the plot. Like if Bruce Willis was like, I'm going to need seven burly guys to push these bellows. <laughs> That's what I want to see. That sounds like a fine show. <laughs> <laughs> you can come up with anything better than a bellows? And Billy Bob Thornton's like, well, like, see what you'd come up with, Mr. Oil Man. He's like, why don't we drill into it and plant a bomb and have it explode and break up and go around the atmosphere? And Billy Bob Thornton's like, that also sounds dumb as hell, but it's better than a bellows. <laughs> we've already got the bellows. We're going with bellows. We've already bought the bellows. Ah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> Every episode, it's our it's our gift to you, the listener, that we either come up with a new TV show or a new movie. <laughs> Where do you get mm. that kind of entertainment? You get a rewatch and you get a brand new concept that improves on existing concepts. <sighs> so that's the end of this one. We have one more episode before the end of season one. It's an exciting time. What a time to be alive. Yeah. So then we have like a bonus coming up, I think, and then we're going to do the movie. Then we'll take a short break and get some things in order to better promote season two. Because it turns out no one actually, it's probably people who teach podcasting and stuff, but they're like, oh, if you want to grow your business consulting podcast, here's how to do it. They don't teach you how to grow like a, we we, we watch an old sitcom podcast. There's not really a thing for that. So you kind of figure it out your like as you go. Um, Maybe we should include business lessons. There are lots to, yeah. maybe if we closed each episode with a business lesson. It's the Bruce Wayne Business School. He only has this money because of his parents. Lesson one, start out rich. <laughs> this has been your Surf Kings of Gotham. Business tidbit. And today's business tidbit, <laughs> buy a boy. <laughs> He's a no use or financial in investment of any sort, but you know, it'll be entertaining. It's it's a good good investment. You can write it off. You can it's a tax write-off. <laughs> Periscopes. Periscopes are the future. Invest all your money in periscopes. Everything is going to be everywhere. So you know what it is. It's an evergreen <laughs> business model. Uh, oh, God, we have fun. Okay. That's enough that's hilarity great. for one day. If you didn't get your fill from this one. There's 32 more episodes in front of it, so you can go listen to those. Just keep me out of it. <laughs> that's right. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Surf Kings of Gotham. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at our show on shows. 
We're on YouTube. Uh, we're the Surf Kings of Gotham. And coming soon, we've got Surf Kings of Gotham merchandise, T-shirts and the like. Yeah. So keep, an, somehow, keep your eyes peeled for that. They somehow skirt right around copyright infringement. It's nice. That's right. That's okay. Like You're Facebook cool. You're listening to this just podcast. wallow in it. So that'll be it for this one, folks. Tune in next time when we close out this season with episode 34, Batman Makes the Scenes. That's right. They rhyme the word scenes with fiends. Well, I guess they're still trying at least. You know what's funny is heading into doing the movie soon is I really thought, because they replaced Julie Newmar in the movie as Catwoman with Lee Merriweather. And I really thought that Julie Newmar was really super well established as Catwoman. Like, that was always the impression I had was that it was like, oh, this is weird because yeah. some other lady in there. She's only appeared once in this first season. Yeah. I noticed that too. She does appear more in the coming season, though. So, but we'll get to that soon. Till then, bye, everybody. Bye, Dr. Nick. Sir, King of Gotham.